You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Coach Gabe Jackson is part owner and head strength and conditioning coach at Minnie's House of Pain, a gym in El Dorado Hills, California, that serves adult fitness and athlete development populations. He is also an educator in Rancho Cordova, California, a recent move after stepping away from being the head strength and conditioning coach and physical education teacher at Oak Ridge High School. Coach Jackson has been a part of the House of Pain for more than 15 years and has been certified through the National Strength and Conditioning Association for more than a decade. He has a passion for developing young people and believes there are many life lessons to be learned through athletics and strength and conditioning. Coach encourages student athletes to allow athletics to be the vehicle that leads them to college and has developed dozens of students through the process. Gabe co-founded Next Level Academy, a facility that serves as a hub for developing local softball talent. Coach Jackson was a student athlete in college, having bounced around from Division I to junior college and Division II football. His college career includes playing football for Utah State for two years, one year at Yuba College, and two years at Humboldt State. Gabe's own athletic path is one of many reasons that he relates so well not only to student-athletes, but also to parents wanting to help their kids compete successfully in high school and college sports. Besides his passion for coaching, training, teaching, Gabe is equally as committed to his beautiful family that includes his wife, Sheena, of 12 years, and children, Brooklyn and Clayton. Welcome to the show, my friend, Coach Gabe Jackson. Man, Doc, what an intro. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored to be on the show. Oh, man, this is a pleasure. You know, uh, we've known each other uh, for a little while now, and uh, we were having a conversation this week, and it just struck me. Whoa, Coach, I need you on the show. You've got some nuggets. you got some knowledge. Uh, I can't wait for our listeners just to hear uh, what you can share with them today. Man, looking forward to it, Doc. Again, honored to be on. Awesome. Just uh, can you just start and just tell us a little bit about, you know, why do you do what you do? Man, I just I just have a lot of empathy. Um, You know, I just and just just the way I grew up, both I'm kind of I call myself first generation middle class. Both my parents were what you would what we would call at risk youth today. You know, both parents came from single uh, single parent backgrounds. Um, Both both, you know, grandmothers were kind of as we as I reflect, you know, both grandparents were alcoholics and, uh, you know, both parents just overcame a lot of odds. And I felt like I had a really great start. Um, a better start than my parents had. And, and I just want to kind of be the springboard to kind of elevate, you know, my generation and, and, and my kids, you know, and just trying to set the tone for, for my family. Awesome. Why education? Why, why is education so important to you? 
I feel like education is just the great equalizer. Um, and, and through the public school model, you know, it's free. And if you can, everybody overcomes adversity, you know, everybody's faced with adversity. Um, and, and we may start from different levels, but education can be the equalizer if we, if we allow it to be. Very good. Very good. Um, what education, as you look back on your background, what did you learn or what were you passionate about that has put you in position to be where you are today? Well, I just realized there, there are no limits. Um, sometimes limits can be self-imposed. I know, uh, you know, out of high school, uh, you know, I walked on it at, at, to play at Utah State University, but you know, just the, even the thought of even being able to play college football, you know, it started with my dad. My dad would always talk about how, you know, how he was, you know, a good, a good high school football player and, um, and how his, just how his, uh, his path to college, you know, my dad uh, suffered a knee injury and, you know, he, he put the perspective on education because he was kind of one of the students that he was the type of player that, you know, all he talked about was the league. And, and my father was a teenage father. So all he talked about was the league, the league, the league. And then, you know, he, he suffered a knee injury and then realized, you know, uh, in some places, you know, there, some schools are football factories, some schools are basketball factories. And once you're done with your eligibility, um, you know, there's not a lot your coaches can do for you. So um, he realized that, you know, hey, I have a child. Uh, I don't want to go back to my mom's house. I need to get my stuff together and, and, and be a provider. And so seeing know that knowing that my dad played college football and I have uh, my dad is actually in Sac State's Football Hall of Fame. I have an older brother who was a he was a division two that in division two, they have what's called the Harlan Hill trophy. That's the D- division two equivalent to the Heisman trophy. And my older brother played football. He was a running back at UC Davis um, and he was a Harlan Hill runner up. And so he's actually in UC Davis's football hall of fame. And so I felt like it was my birthright to play college football. And I, and I thought I was going to have a, you know, I thought I was going to be a, you know, a, a heavily recruited athlete. And that wasn't the case. Uh, but my dad always, put in my mind to compete. You know, he said, when you get to college, you're going to, you know, he said, I was all city. I was all Metro. I was all state. He said, you know, my dad went to New Mexico state, uh, out of high school. And, you know, he said, when I got to New Mexico state, there was, you know, there was, you know, everybody else was all everything as well. And so, you know, it was all about competing. And so I always, I, I live with the mindset of competing. And so when I got to Utah State, there was guys from L.A. and, you know, the Bay Area and guys from other programs that had strong football programs and that were better, you know, more recruited than me. And, and I, I, it didn't matter to me. I didn't care. Uh, I was all about competing. So as a coach, as a performance coach, how do you, I guess, level the playing field for your athletes? I leveled the playing field through the weight room. I think um, one of my expertise, I call them, you know, you have those players that are maybe a little too small, maybe a little too short, maybe not quite quick enough. Uh, but then those, those are some of the players that have a stronger work ethic. I, I, I teach kids to, you know, do their best and really kind of be high energy, high effort people. And I tell students that, you know, you can get attention through your effort in the weight room and what you do on the field, that's, that's kind of on you, whether you make a play or not. I said, I can, I can, I can teach you how to compete. Uh, I can, I can get you a little stronger. I can get you a little faster. I can get you a little bigger, but you know, what you do on the field, that's up to you. And I said, it's up to you to get these qualities to transfer onto the field of whatever, whatever sport you play. Mm-hmm. So how do you reach the athlete that's not easy to reach? Try to put them in competitive situations where, you know, if it's a if it's a drill or, or with I try to put students with players with like abilities, 
like strengths and and just try to put them in situations where there be, let's say we're doing a like an eccentric push up, you know, like a, one of the drills I, I love doing is uh, like a five count push up. Let's say we're doing three sets of eight on a eccentric push up. We'll get a group together, circle them up and they're on my count going all the way down and, and, and just accountability. I think accountability is a big thing. Um, you know, if someone's, you know, you set the standard and if someone's not meeting the standard, I think you hold them accountable by calling them out. And if, if someone has to, if the group has to do a drill over again, or if uh, the group has to do a, a repetition over again, um, I try to d- uh, create an environment where players are accountable to each other. Um, and I try to try to create an environment where the players police each other as well. And you can kind of cultivate leadership in that regard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Break that down for me. So, you know, let's say we're doing a, like I said, let's go back to the eccentric push-up drill. Let's say we're doing the push-ups and, you know, somebody falls or somebody drops or someone doesn't do something. Um, at the end of the drill, I'll say that didn't count because someone didn't hold up there into the bargain. And, you know, if that's you, I'm not mad. I'm not blaming you. Just stand up, you know, stand up, be accounted for. And if you don't stand up, you know, I'm going to point you out. But it's better. I'm telling you it's going to be better if you just just own it. So we just try to get players to to take ownership on, on what they try to do. Yeah. So you're encouraging leadership. You're encouraging that bond, that accountability. How do you get them to see how that's going to pay off for them? You know, it's, it's very difficult. I don't think players, they don't get it right away. I think a lot of players in this, in this social media age, everybody's about the instant gratification and it's very difficult, especially, you know, when I was at Oak Ridge, you know, Eldorado Hills, it's a, it's an affluent community. It's, it's, uh, it's between, the Bay area and Lake Tahoe, you know, uh, a lot of families have some discretionary income. And so, you know, it's, it's not out of the question for a family to be on vacation. You know, they can go to Europe or go to the lake or families have boats. And so, you know, there's a lot of times where kids would miss workouts and, you know, you check their social media and they'd be, you know, posting selfies at the lake and it's like, Whoa, what are we doing here? You know? And so you try to try to keep the goal in the forefront. Um, you know, where, Oak Ridge High School is located. It's, it's right outside Sacramento County and uh, in, a, in probably one of the toughest football leagues in Northern California. And so, you know, there's there's been four, three or four different schools that have won state championships in that league. And, you know, that's what you're competing against. So you can go go to the lake if you want to. But let's don't be don't be crying on Friday night when you don't beat, you know, Granite Bay, Folsom or Del Oro. You know, those are all good quality programs. And so try to keep things in perspective for kids. And I think that's one of the things that uh, kids and families kind of struggle with is keeping things in perspective. People want it now. And so they want it now. They, they may or may not be willing to work for it now. How do you get those things to match up? Cause you, um, you have to sell it. Uh, You know, when you're, when you're a coach, you're not just teaching, but you're also selling. How do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I, you have to communicate to parents. Uh, you have to communicate to players. Um, you know, sometimes you got to get on the Internet, you know, and, and a lot of folks want to go to USC or Cal or, you know, Stanford. And, you know, sometimes you got to put it in perspective, you know, OK, you know, Zach Ertz was six, five and, you know, two forty five, two fifty. You know, Billy's six, one and a half and <laughs> one eighty five. You know, you have to kind of and, and, you know, Zach Ertz runs a, you know, four or seven or sub four, seven, forty. I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I don't, I'm an Eagles fan, so I don't want to diss Zach Ertz. But, um, you know, you just got to put things in perspective for families and, and, and let them know that, 
you know, you're not where you want to be. You're not a finished product. But if you don't put the work in and it's a long term approach, you know, you, you have to be consistent. I think that's one thing that at the youth level, uh, families have a hard time with is being consistent. And uh, the other thing families have a hard time with is understanding training. I think uh, a lot of kids in this day and age, and I don't think this is exclusive to our area, but I think a lot of families have a tendency to overprogram and overbook their kids. Um, you know, there's just a, a tremendous amount of pressure, uh, for kids to be successful. Um, and that's on the, on the, on the far right, the affluent side of the spectrum on the other side, on the left side of the spectrum where students, uh, that come from, you know, maybe economically disadvantaged families, you know, the access is not the same. And so, you know, you might not have the, you know, the same grade point average, or you, you may be struggling just to get the, the normal A through G requirements met. Whereas, you know, a, a, another student may be, taking advance this and, you know, AP this, and, you know, they're, they're struggling to, you know, they want to, they're struggling to get enough extracurricular activities to, to look favorable on their college applications. And so, um, you know, the first thing to go, you know, if they're looking at their schedule, you know, they're, the first thing to go is going to be their, their athletic development, their athletic training, you know, they're, they're, they'd rather go to, and rightfully so, you know, they'd rather go do their SAT tutor or, you know, there, there's just so many, different things and so many different pressures that families and kids are faced with. It's just hard to know how to allocate their time. Coach, I want to come back to parents and maybe some of the pressures you see. But before we do that, there's an experience I had. We uh, wanted to do a strength and conditioning clinic, uh, actually camp for kids. And we thought, you know, this would be really good. We're, We're this flagship university for the state. And we we open it up. We do all the the things right. And the numbers were embarrassing. We had more out of state uh, kids than in state kids. And uh, (laughs) we had less than a dozen Mm. for for a strength and conditioning uh, camp for kids. And, And you look at the baseball camp the the other sport camps the and you see hundreds of kids so parents had no problems with sending their kids to camps to learn how to play the sport but in terms of being a better athlete to play that sport that's not where the emphasis is in our society our, in my experience was we were not as concerned about developing athleticism and and a better athlete as we are developing a better baseball player, a better softball player. And, and so we lower the ceiling for our young, for our children uh, because we are looking for that instant gratification. And we think that sitting on a bench and getting a couple of at bats is, is going to help them in the long run, get a degree versus spending time learning the skill learning the techniques, the fundamentals, understanding the the technical and tactical aspect to the game. We spend, we'll spend more money sending them from state to state when they're in middle school and high school. than we, we, then we are concerned about them actually improving their skill or being a better athlete. Is, is that something you have seen as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, most sports outside of football and maybe, maybe wrestling, uh, you know, it's, it, 
athletic development, long-term athletic development can get a very tough sell, a very, very tough sell. It's, uh, like I said, it's the first thing to go. It's the first thing to go. I think uh, parents, it has to be a parent that has walked the walk, that has gone through the process, that understands uh, just what it takes to, to, to be successful at the next level. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. Wow. So in your dealing with parents, what, what so you've been in high school, you've had to deal with parents. Is it different when you're at the private facility? Do you is there a different um, are parents different in that regard? I. Uh, not necessarily some it's I would say it's it's 50 50 some parents that come to the facility they have a plan they have a goal long term wise they know where they want to be and sometimes families that come to the facility are you know they know their their son or daughter needs you know they need an edge in that in that regard so they may need to know they know their their son or daughter is hitting weak ground balls right now, or their son is, you know, they're undersized or underdeveloped and need, they need the extra work and they're, the parents know their limits and they're like, Hey, you know what? Do your thing, do what you got to do. Other parents, uh, other parents are manipulative. They have the discretionary income and you know, Hey, we're going to, we know, you know, and, and they just have a harder time with the buy-in and they think, well, I'm, I'm spending the money on this. It's, it's not, they not get, they think because they spend the money, it's the, the outcome is automatic. And, and, you know, what we teach is the work ethic, the work ethic and consistency, consistency over time is, is what we preach. And, and, and we try to connect it, not just to athletics. We connect it to, you know, their relationships with their families and, you know, their, their work ethic as it relates to school, um, you know, just across the board. And so, the, the, the attributes that we teach, the intangibles that we teach in a very sneaky way, you know, it's, it's more about life than it is athletics. Why do you do that? Because for me, I think it's, I don't know if, if ministry is too strong of a word, but it's, I, I just feel like that's, I mean, that's just how we live our life. And I, and I, I've made, I don't know, I don't, don't want to say I made a mistake, but I've, I kind of pass judgment on people by how they work in the weight room. You know, if, if, if someone's, cutting a set short, they're probably going to, they're taking some shortcuts in their life or, you know, they're, if they're not being honest about why they were missing from a workout. I mean, I've had kids lie to my face about, Hey coach, I was out of town and you know, you check their social media and they're at the lake or, you know, at the movies when they, when they were, you know, scheduled to be at a session. Um, so -hmm. if you're lying to me about a workout, you're darn sure going to lie about cheating on a test or, you know, cheating on your spouse or whatever, you know, it's not a, it's not that far of a disconnect. Hmm. So you spend time 
teaching them some life skills while you're trying to teach them uh, techniques, uh, whether it's for techniques for their skill, techniques and skill for their sport or whether it's training, weight training. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's character development as well. And, and you know, there's we have a range of, of student athletes that we work with. But, you know, at, at some point, sometimes it's an effort thing. Sometimes it's a technical thing. And, um, you know, in my younger days, I was kind of like a, a yeller and a screamer. And now, you know, I've, I've learned how to, I've, you know, I've evolved as a coach and, you know, I know how to I know how to make uh, sessions fun a lot funner and, and, and compete at the same time. You know, I have a, a younger baseball group that I work with. Now these are little guys and they don't know, they don't know what they're doing from Adam, but you know, I, I do some different call and response things and, and just try to reinforce some different techniques. And then by the end of the day, I have them competing. We do like a, like a tic-tac-toe suicide drill. And uh, you know, the dads love it. They under, they dads see what they're doing and the kids, they just think, they think they're playing tic-tac-toe and, and they're just, you know, they're having a ball. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's about work ethic and, and we want our kids to be, we want them to be strong. We want them to be athletic and we want them to be accountable. Um, there's so many other, you know, core values that we try to teach through, you know, the gym. Yeah. What are some of the common misconceptions you, you think people have, maybe parents have in terms of what it takes to help their sons and daughters be successful? Parents try to, I mean, in this information age, people think whatever they Google, um, it, it's almost like some parents, they, they Google some things that try to try to sound smart when they speak to you. You know, a lot of parents talk about, yeah, I don't want them breaking their growth plates or, you know, <laughs> don't like, like we're going to put a kid under a, you know, a 20 kilo bar that's, you know, going to break them in half. You know, there's so many different ways. I think all, resistance training is all barbell based or mm. um, just, they don't, they, they just think we're just, you know, Neanderthal kind of, I just, I just think there's a lot of misinformation. Um, and, and, I'll, I'll, and I think they think that uh, we're going to push kids too far too soon. Um, and sometimes I, I feel like parents want their kids pushed too soon. You know, how come they're not doing this and how, how come they're not doing that? And, you know, from our perspective, we, take and and we take account of everything that kids are doing. We understand some kids are getting up early and they're going to bed late. So, you know, whereas, you know, they may be able to handle a heavier load, we're not going to overstress them because everything in life is stress. You know, you're, you wake up in the morning, your parents are yelling at you, that's stress. You're having problems on with your friends, that's stress. You, you know, you're having uh, problems at school or, you know, taking a test, that's stress. You know, any, you know, anything in the weight room, that's that's a different kind of stress, but it's still stress. And so uh, we take an account, we take account of everything that, that kids are doing, whether they're, you know, having practice before or after they're dealing with us. And so um, just we take advantage, we take an account of their whole calendar as well. And so sometimes mm -hmm. parents, parents don't always take, take an account of that. Yeah. And in regards to nutrition, do you spend any time, with uh, with your athletes and their parents, um, how do you educate both groups? Absolutely. So we do a, a, a very broad uh, nutrition talk with our, our different teams um, at our at our offsite locations. But we, we do a very like at, at Folsom High School, we do we uh, we've been handling Folsom High School's uh, boys basketball program for the past 12 years. And so uh, the boys, they, they get a uh, composition notebook 
and they are required to document everything they eat, whatever comes in their mouth, they're supposed to document it. And so, you know, you see everything from crunch berries to (laughs) fruit loops, you know, you get, you you see, you see everything gluten-free this, you know, organic that, and, um, you know, kids are supposed to weigh themselves every day. And we, we try to monitor their hydration, uh, just basically off of their weight. So we do a, we do a broad nutrition talk with our teams. And then, uh, you know, I've, I have the, the precision level one certification. And so, um, you know, I utilize some of the resources through precision and talk about what kids should be having and, uh, you know, what they should have, when they should have it. Um, and we, we do that a little more in depth at our offsite facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we really try to educate kids is just really hydration and just really getting uh, complete nutrient dense meals. Um, and just try to give them healthy options. Uh, you know, in my opinion, every sport outside of football has a, has a comp fa- comp season to it. And so, you know, if they're, they're at, kids are at a tournament, you know, they could be gone all day they could be practicing across town. So we try to get kids to prepare. Um, and we try to put the onus on the kids, you know, the parents have to do the shopping, but you know, mommy and daddy don't always have to cook all the food. You know, we try to put a lot of the onus on the kids to, to be responsible and, and, and make their own meals and, and, you know, tote their meals around and, and be responsible for what they put in their bodies. Mm-hmm. As you look at some of the athletes that have gone on maybe to even play professional that you've worked with, what are some of the attributes that they displayed or you helped to cultivate when uh, when you were training them? Some stu- some some kids were just extreme competitors uh, we worked with a kid. His name was Anthony Goburn. He went to he went to Del Campo High School. He was teammates with uh, Donald Butler. He played with the Chargers for a minute. He was a year younger than Donald Butler, and he was the same class as Akeem Hicks, who's who's a defensive lineman for the Bears right now. And Anthony was just an extreme competitor, and he's kind of a kind of a freak athlete. He had a you know forty plus vert uh, sub four four forty, um, super long. He was almost hard to coach. Uh, when you when you watch him in certain positions because he's just small, short torso, just super long. He's kind of built like Scottie Pippen, <laughs> but just a super explosive kid, just very springy. And Anthony was just a dog. I mean, he was just super explosive. He would do always do extra work. I mean, he's the type of kid that can go out and just knock out 30 pull-ups. And if someone got close to him, he wanted to bury you. And so he was that, he was just that kind of kid. Like he, he broke his hand and he, you know, he was a running back and, he, you know, he taped his hand up and, and, you know, put one of the hard casts on it and still played, you know, he's just a, just a dog of a competitor and, uh, you know, straight A student, but he had a came came from, came from a, a great background. His dad uh, was a, as a pilot with United and, you know, went to the Air Force Academy. So he, he came from a background that was just super supportive and, you know, his family got it. And so he just came from a super supportive background. So uh, I would say as far as intangibles, someone that a strong work ethic and just the ability to compete. And you obviously have to have the natural talent, but the, the, mm-hmm. those two things, work ethic and the willingness to compete. I always say, uh, you know, my business partner always said, you know, the difference between good and great was work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that you're helping to foster that kind of environment. Um, what is it like to be coached by you? Oh man, you're probably going to get a nickname. 
You know, I've had, uh, I've had a kid, uh, there was a girl that came to us. Her name was Danielle Anderson. When I met her, uh, Danielle's from a part of Sacramento called Rio Linda. If you ever, you know, you know, Rush Limbaugh spent a lot of time in Sacramento. We kind of got to start in Sacramento. He used to diss Rio Linda all the time, but it's kind of, uh, you know, in a, in a rural part of town and Danielle, and she made the trek from Rio Linda to El Dorado Hills, which is, I mean, it, it's like, completely on the other side of town. And so it was probably like a 45 minute commute one way. And Danielle came to us 4.30 every day, four days a week. So Danielle played softball. And so when I met her, she was, she was in the seventh grade and she looked like a little olive oil. Her legs weren't bigger, you know, as big around as a baseball bat. And so every, every, every summer we would go hitting and, you know, her, her, her sound, the sound of her bat went from a ping to a whack. And then, you know, by the end she was hitting bombs and Danielle ended up, uh, getting a softball scholarship to Virginia tech, you know, the straight A student, you know, this is the type of kid that, uh, you know, she could bang out, you know, for girls, they don't, a lot, a lot of, a lot of ladies aren't as strong in the pull-ups, but Danielle could, could, could crank out double digit pull-ups. Um, you know, it was a 155 pound hand cleaner, you know, and this girl, and it, so her nickname was little bit when I first met her, you know, this was probably about 05 when the 50 cent had that song. All I need is just a little bit. So I, I called her a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that was kind of her nickname. And so I, I, I keep it light and I, I try to just check kids, you know, if, if, uh, if they're, they're missing something or if they're, if I, if something I'm saying is not connecting, you know, I whip out my phone and I, I just show them sometimes it's, you know, sometimes you need that visual feedback and I say, okay, this is what I'm telling you to do. Uh, you're not seeing it, but this is what I'm seeing. They're like, Oh my gosh. I, okay. It felt like I was doing it. I'm sorry. You know, it's not a big deal. You know, sometimes, um, you know, I, I just try to connect with you. You know, I, I feel like I do a good job of connecting and try to meet, uh, meet people where they're at. And, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful for my, for my experiences. I met just a lot of great people that are, you know, doing a lot of great things now. And it's just, it's just, it's just been fun. You, I hate to put you on the spot. And I'm hoping you've had a chance to see it. Have you seen the clip of Nick Saban when he's talking to the media about um, what when he's asking asking the media, what does what do they want him to do about athletes that may get into trouble? I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, oh yeah. You've got to you've got to watch it. It's it's one of the best clips I've I've seen. He's he's basically asking the media, "What do you want me to do with a kid when he gets into trouble?" He talks about Musim Muhammad, um, and that everyone wanted um, Nick to coach Saban to kick him off the team when he was the head coach at Michigan State. Said this kid ended up spending 15 years in the league, uh, and his one of his children goes to Princeton now. Oh, wow. He said, he said, so what What did you want me to do? What are the options? Kick him off the team and then what? He ends up in the streets and then what? And, you know, what you were just talking about reminds me of that. Uh, how do you, you know, balance, you know, how do people balance discipline at the same time you balance nurturing these kids that need that, that need, they may need father figures. They may need just good role models, period, in general. How do you balance, how, you know, what, what is your opinion on, on that subject of balancing the discipline versus the nurturing? Well, coach, I think, I think kids, players, even parents, I think everybody craves discipline. 
And so it just, to me, it just depends on your coaching style and what kind of culture you have as to how you want to enforce your discipline. You know, I, some coaches are yellers and screamers. Uh, I know like as, as a PE teacher at, at Oak Ridge, you know, if, if, if someone, you know, got online or did something, you know, the whole class did burpees, you know, if I, if there was something I was trying to address the class, you know, I would, I would, you know, and I would just tell him, I called it, uh, you know, DJ mustard. He does this thing. He calls it mustard on the beat. I called it burpees on the beat. And so, you know, if I, I blow my whistle in the class would have to do burpees, I think, um, you got to show people you care. And I think you got to have to hold everybody, everybody accountable. So if it's the, if it's the star quarterback and they get out of line and they do something, players are going to, you know, it, it, it says a lot about your culture to how you treat that star player, even as if, as, as much as you treat that, that walk on or the underdog type player, you know, if you're, if you're harder on the, the underdog or the junkyard dog, then it, people are going to, even people, parents, players, you know, they're going to, even your other coaches, they're going to, it's just, it just sets a tone for your culture. That's good. You, you definitely have to set the tone when you're the coach. Um, you know, just one last question I have for you. What is it that uh, you love most about working with young people? I love seeing the growth. I love seeing the growth and having an opportunity to reflect with them. Um, I'm at a point now where I've, I've gone to weddings, uh, college graduation parties and you know, just the, the, the feedback and, and have been with some people for a lot of years now. And so the, the feedback I get, you know, the, you know, I was, I just know it's a long train running and that people won't always understand in the moment what we're trying to do. And so the feedback over time, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents as they, as they exit our program and they go to college or they, they graduate from college, they come back and they're, they're just so thankful and grateful for the intangibles that they learned early on. Uh, they feel like it set them apart when they went away to school. And so it's, it's sometimes it's hard to feel that or see that in the moment. And so sometimes people will, will be obedient and compliant in the moment, but they'll do it begrudgingly. Um, it's kind of a a little step of leap of faith on their part, but in the end, it it typically, you know, the result is, is kind of usually pretty good. Coach, that's pretty, that's been pretty good. Just like this podcast. I appreciate having you on. Um, I'm glad to to um, finally get you on. Where can our listeners find you if they're looking for you social media wise? Sure, I'm on I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my handle is at gjack nine one six. That's g j a c k nine one six. You can look us up at uh, Next Level Academy nine one six dot com or minishouseofpain dot com. There's a lot of uh, you know, a lot of ways to reach me and, and, you know, the, the, the companies that I, that I work for, but, um, we're out here, we're, we're hoping to do more in the education field real soon. Um, and we, we have to get more active on social media. You know, we, we just kind of spend so much time. It's just kind of grind, grind, grind. And one thing I, I knew, and I probably need your help with this is just documenting more of our, of our, of our sessions. We feel like we just, we have a lot of content, but it's just hard to put it all together definitely coach uh just let me know i can help you out uh it's been a pleasure thank you for joining us uh, oh, it's man. been a pleasure well thanks for having me coach i appreciate it i'm honored to be on thank you for listening to this episode of beyond sets and reps where we provide the performance edge this podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor soranex exercise equipment 
To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.